Hello, welcome back to the Noted Church Podcast. Uh, Over the last few weeks, I've focused on driving home the point that God desires to be present to and in His creation, that He has chosen especially to be present to us through the Holy Spirit, and that we should develop the awareness to be present to His presence in all that is going on in the world. We gather in the presence of God where Christ is host at the Lord's table. We receive his presence to be a church on mission in the world, and we share Christ's presence at the tables of our homes where we are hosted to our neighbors. This is where real relationships are kindled and the gospel is lived on display for them to see and experience. And as a church on mission, we then enter the spaces of the world around us with God's presence as guests at their tables. As guests, we show up as servants ready to reveal God's power of love in how we engage in their lives. This Sunday, I'm going to uh, introduce the seven practices or disciplines that we will study for the coming months that will help shape us into a church on mission. These are uh, ongoing practices, and you know, and practices are something you do to develop habits and that you develop natural responses uh, in the way that you live. So these ongoing practices that, that are at work in these, the, the, these ongoing practices, they're, they're at work in all three circles of our lives. So in the church, in our homes, and in the world around us. Uh, there are other practices where God is especially present that are not in this list, that, that we've left out, uh, practices like baptism and marriage. Uh, because baptism and marriage are one-time things, or should be one-time things, um, and then you you move on in that reality. Uh, but these are the practices that we're going to focus on that are routine in our lives. That so we are focusing on practices that continue to shape us as people who are attentive to God's presence in and around us. There are other important practices or disciplines for the transformative growth of Christ's followers uh, that are more inward-focused by their nature, like meditation and scripture reading. And and there's time to focus on that as well, and we're going to do some classes coming up on how to kind of cultivate that in, internal life uh, <clears throat> and develop those habits. But, but for this particular focus of our church, these seven practices will focus on um, that we're going to focus on our intentionally communal and our practice in every area of our lives. And so these are things that we do together. Uh, and they're things that we do not just at church, but at home and also uh, should be done out in our communities. And so can I keep that in mind as we look at this? And in each practice, um, <clears throat> we're going to kind of look at the different circles. So uh, these seven practices have impact Uh, First, in the close circle, where committed followers of Christ gather, they then impact the neighbors who surround the the Christ follower in the dotted circle of life. Uh, These practices then move into the world where, where the church joins with God in the half circles especially in and amongst the hurting and marginalized. These practices create space for organic growth in the church towards mission. Uh, as we encounter the presence of Jesus and then extend that presence faithfully into the world. And so the seven practices uh, 
are this. And and if you were at church on Sunday, uh, you were, you should have received a book called Seven Praxis for the Church on Mission. Uh, this is kind of a summation of David Fitch's book, Faithful Presence. Um, we're going to take each of these practices uh, for three weeks at a time. Uh, but the first practice, here's kind of an overview, and we're going to kind of look into the practical implications of doing this as a church uh, this Sunday. But here's an overview of the seven practices. So the first one is the practice of the Lord's table. Uh, This is a time where followers of Christ gather with others to participate in God's story of redemption and allow God's presence to continually baptize our stories into his story. Um, there's a lot of things to say about the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lord's Table, and I mean, this is what I wrote my dissertation on, so I, I have a lot to say, and so I'm going to try and keep that to three weeks, though. But the Lord's, our time at the Lord's Table should be transformative for us, where we continually reorient who we are in light of the story of God. The next practice is the practice of reconciliation. Uh, this puts us at the heart of the message of God as we live in a sin-scarred and divided world. Uh, reconciliation takes community. You can't reconcile on your own. Um, man, it'd be a lot easier if you could. But reconciliation takes community, and it is our witness to the, wor- to the work of Christ in the church for the world to see. So this is the place where um, reconciliation is one of those things that I, I think is a good metric for measuring how a church is doing. Uh, if churches measured success by reconciled relationships more so than uh, numbers in the pew, I think churches would be much healthier. And so what does it look like for us to lean into the hard work of reconciliation rather than saying, okay, well, you sit over here and you sit over here and try to avoid each other so you can stay out of conflict. What does it look like to be people that seek reconciliation, that when you recognize uh, things are tense and hard, you you need to lean into the gospel and say, what does it look like for Christ to redeem this relationship? Uh, the next practice is the practice of proclaiming the gospel. This is the announcement that God is Lord over all things. So when you look out into the world, when you look into your neighbors' lives and you look into the church, um, we continually proclaim the gospel. It's almost like we've uh, developed a sort of um, Christian laryngitis where we've lost our voice. And we got to talk about what it means to actually proclaim the gospel that God is Lord. This, um, this announcement of hope is that all things will be made right. And God's presence is breaking in even further into his creation. We are the people of hope. And so we have to speak hope and pronounce hope and proclaim hope into one another's lives so that we become hope for the world. And so we are the people of hope who get to point to what God is doing amongst the mess. And so as people who proclaim the gospel, when when we see one another living without hope, we then speak and proclaim the gospel of hope into one another's lives. So when we see the news and things are falling apart, we remember, we remind one another in the close circle that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's got his hold over this. And nothing, nothing that can be done can shake that. There's nothing in this world that can change the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it you know, it matters a lot less 
what what's going on in the world. Um, there's things that I, I, I am concerned about, but when when I reorient to the gospel that Jesus Christ is in control, I can let go of my hopelessness about the world around me. And when I see people struggling in the world around me, I can proclaim the gospel in their lives. Um, a lot more to say about that. But the practice of, the next one is the practice of fivefold gifting. This is an odd one, but I'm looking forward to exploring this, that this invites us to receive and use God's gifts that are poured into different people for the sake of God's mission. Uh, that we recognize when we gather around the table, there's a diversity of people with diverse backgrounds and diverse gifts. And we celebrate that diversity by saying, what gift do you have to give for the building up of the church and for the mission of God? And how do we equip you and empower you to be a person uh, who uses those gifts given by the Holy Spirit? So we are people who are to be attentive to the presence of God in one another as we equip each other for the, to use the gifts for the building up of the church and the reconciliation of the world. Uh, one of the hard questions I wrestle with here is, if we have people who have gifts that are very natural and God-given, and we don't create space for those gifts to be used, uh, what is that? You know, what are the implications of that for us? So these are hard questions. So I, I look forward to wrestling with that more. Uh, the next practice is the practice of being with the least of these. This is the way in which God makes his presence known amongst us, that, that he has a special place in his heart for the forgotten, the marginalized, and the dejected. I mean, just go and read the beginning of um, the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 5. The people that he says are blessed are, are typically the least of these. And so when we are attentive to God's presence in their lives, we commune with Christ himself. That when Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so um, that, that should change how we approach those that might be in this category of least of these. That we don't see them as with pity. We don't see them as uh, someone that we are going to help, although help is something that we're offering. But what does it look like to be attentive to God's presence in their lives in a way that shapes us and reshapes us to be the people of God ourselves. The next one is the practice of being with children. Uh, not just having children around, but being with them, being present to them. Um, being with children puts the values of the kingdom on full display because in children we find wonder, honesty, joy in the little things, and a playfulness that many of us as adults have lost as we've gotten older. That being with children helps us rediscover the simplicity of being a child of God. A child who sim sim simply uh, is at peace because they're just oblivious to what's going on in the world because they know that their dad's got it. Uh, that's such a beautiful practice that when we are present to children, we're reminded of who we're called to be. So we're going to look more at that um, as we are with all these. So the last one is the practice of kingdom prayer. Uh, that this is our continual acknowledgement of our submission to God as Lord. Uh, that, that praying the kingdom prayer uh, is, is that our desires are to be more available for God's 
mission, that our desire is for ourselves to be more available for God's mission, that that we continually acknowledge that we're to submit to God as Lord, that there are parts of our lives that we have not fully given to God's kingdom. And so we continually pray this prayer, that this is a longing for more of his presence, that that we recognize that we already have the presence of God fully in us through the Holy Spirit, but the end of all things is that God's presence would be fully in his creation. And so the kingdom prayer is a continual reminder that uh, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so every place that we see as we go into the world, we recognize that that God doesn't fully reign there yet, and we pray that God will reign and that his reign will be made known in that space. And as we pray that, it shapes how we interact in these spaces and it shapes how we live in our lives. Um, and so that's, that's the practice of kingdom prayer. How does that reorient how you enter into different spaces in the world that you inhabit? So we'll take each of these um, in a three-week series uh, looking at their biblical basis and how they are lived out in, in the three circles of our lives. And my prayer for this year is that our imaginations will be ignited as a church and we will take steps with these practices to transform who we are as a church on mission in NODA. I hope you have a blessed week and I look forward to seeing you Sunday.